when things around you are shaky, in fact, when you're facing uncertainty of any kind, that's usually an indicator that a marker is about to happen. It's usually an indicator that something significant is coming into your life, whether it's easy, whether it's hard, whether it's with friction, whether it's with ease. Something's coming into your life that God's about to do something. And so if we know that to be true and can develop a track record of faith that says that, not just read it, that says that, it speaks to us. We've, we've lived those, those, those trial and error situations, those hard places, and we've had enough distance from them to see God might have been in that. He might have been in that. He definitely was in that. When we, when we can see ourselves as, at, at, at a far enough distance away, we get less anxious. We get less, less concerned about our world around us shaking a little bit. Why? Because we know a marker is about to happen through it. We know God's about to show up and say and do something significant in us, around us, and usually through us too. And that's the case here. Uh, Joshua, we, we have seen this story unfold of his the mantle being handed to him from Moses, and, and he, he's assuming this leadership role and putting on, more or less, uh, figuratively speaking, this mantle that, that Moses has handed down, that God's handed down, really, more, more than anything else. And he has said, okay, okay, I'm going to listen to God, I'm going to be obedient to him, and I'm going to trust you to follow. And that's exactly what happened so far. So early early in this process, we see that we, we saw him sending spies out into Jericho, and <clears throat> God using Rahab there as a as a protector, as a, as a, as a refuge for them, and, and uh, them learning at, at the report of the spies that, listen, Jericho's ripe for the taking. They're in fear. They're gripped with fear. Uh, all we've got to do is walk into the place, and they, they turn over and give us the city. And so, <clears throat> but the, the next obstacle in place here is, is the Jordan. And um, we saw last week how, the, how they crossed the Jordan and how the, how the Lord brought them to one of their greatest fears, one of the greatest difficulties in their life, and let them face it to see him show up and do something significant and, and supernatural and miraculous, and he did. Where we pick up today is the marker, where, where, where Joshua used to say, listen, we're driving a stake in the ground, literally rocks here, but we're, we're, we're driving the stake in the ground to say God has shown up here and done something significant in, 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 in the nation of Israel and, and in our hearts uh, uh, singularly as well as corporately as a nation. We're going to mark this, and as we'll see this story, unfold, we're going to mark this, and I want you to never forget what happened here. Because it was significant. It, it changed us, and it should change generation after generation after generation. Let's read here in, in Joshua chapter 4, beginning up at verse 1 down through verse 7. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take the twelve stones from the middle, take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, right where the priest stood, to carry them over with you and put them down in a place where you stay tonight. So, Joshua called together 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Now drop down to verse 24. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Now what happens in between verse 7 and 24 is the actual doing of this. And so as this, you can go back and read that story and see it, see it unfold. There are 
as I say, some, some significant things about markers. Markers are, first of all, signs of completion or accomplishment. That's what he's talking about in verses 1 to 3. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan. When the whole nation, every, 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 every kid, every animal, every, everything they owned, every possession, when the whole nation had crossed over, finished crossing, then we see the, we see the promise of God in, 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 the, in the marker that, that you know, Joshua demands. Uh, Yogi Berra, of course, is famous, famous for saying, it ain't over till it's over. That's the nation. That's the, that's the message here that Joshua's trying to get across to say, until everybody's across, when the whole nation had crossed, not when the majority had crossed, not when it looked like, hey, we've got this. When every foot was up on the other side, then, he says, uh, choose 12 men from among you. Then, then we're going to set up a marker for this. But while the, while the nation is crossing over, there, there's still steps of faith being exercised. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. Every step across that dry, right, dry riverbed. And so for every person, whether it's the first person across or last person across, it's still a step of faith. I believe God, I believe God, I believe God, I believe God. So there's no time for a marker until the, the job is done to say, here's what God did. He's still doing something until, until they all get across. And so they all get across, and he says, now we're, we're going to set up some markers. I wonder, as, as we've talked about report, Ms. Sharon's report card here and, and, and markers initially, if the Lord is already taking your mind back to, here's a marker, there's a marker. When this child was born... There, there, there are markers in your house all over the place. You, you got them framed, hanging on the wall, or they're sitting on a dresser of this milestone, or this graduation, or this birthday, or this vacation, or this. There are markers probably all around your house, and you've captured them on film, and you framed them, and you've set them on significant places, or, or hung them on a wall, or, or a diploma, or some kind of a comp, uh, physical accomplishment. And you've got those things framed where you can see them and make reference to them. Why? Because you want to remember them, and that's exactly what's happening here with the nation. Joshua's about to say, listen, God has done some incredible things in your sight, in, w- among you and, and in you. And for that reason, every generation behind you needs to see it. Every generation behind you needs to... How many of you, and you don't have to show up, raise your hands. How many of you have pictures of grandparents, great-grandparents, maybe two or three generations back, and something in you says, I need to throw these away. I mean, we've had these for... They, they, they've been handed down to me, and they're just... I mean, they're not displayed. I, I, I just need to throw... And yet something in you just won't throw them away. Why? Because it's a remembrance. It's something that takes you back to another place, to another time, to another person, to another generation that says, I didn't experience it, but she did, and he did. And because he did and she did, I remember the story. I remember the things that that have been told to me about him or about her. And so you hang on to pictures of grandma or granddad or of this aunt or this uncle or this family member. And it may be, as I say, three, four, five generations deep, and something in you just won't throw it away won't get rid of it. And your kids, you're going to hand the same crap down to them, and they're going to have to figure out, what do I do with this now? Well, do I throw this away? Is, is, it, is it sacrilegious to throw away a picture of great-grandma? And so they're going to be faced with the same thing. Is this a marker for me? Do I remember this, or is this a story for mom and dad? Are they, are, are they, is this their marker or mine too? And so in the setting up of these stones and his picking 12 from, the, from each tribe to say, listen, go get a stone out of the middle of the river, set it right here. He's saying the generations behind you are going to see this. For years, and in fact, later on in the story, we didn't read these verses, but he says, and the, the marker is still there to this day. Had a conversation with Doc before worship started because they had a trip to the Holy Land not that long ago, and asked him, "Is that marker still at Gilgal, where they crossed the Jordan?" They didn't get up that far to, to see or to confirm it, but most of those significant things in the life of Christ and in the Scriptures are standing where they stood then. 
they've been memorialized and edifices built up around all of them, many of them. But likely that marker at Gilgal is still there as a reference point to say God showed up here in the nation of Israel and did something significant, changed us, saved us, delivered us from death, from sure death of the Jordan. And so whether those are, whether those are marked on your wall or marked in your heart, you have markers in your life. It's just a matter of what they do, where they take you, but what they help you remember, what they help you see again and experience again and relive again. Uh, they're, they're, they're there for a reason. Uh, Lily's going to have a marker here in a couple of weeks. And some of you will have markers experiencing that with her to say, here's a person that's, bat- that's prayed to receive Christ, is going into baptism waters and symbolically is following the, the, the obedience and the example of Jesus in, in baptism. And that's going to be a marker that she'll never forget. And she doesn't go to Buffett High Church, but in her life, as she drives by that church, she'll never forget that. It's going to be a memory for her for, from now on and, and probably her, her kids and generations to come. Those, those things happen in our life for a reason, to say, God showed up here. He did something here. He did something in me here. And I want to never forget that because he did. Um, so whether, whether, they've, whether those markers has, have built faith in you and built confidence in you and built a sense of assurance in you, or whether they've marked you for another reason, to say, man, that was failure. That was failure was all uh, It's a marker, but it's not a marker that I want to choose to relive and not a marker that I want to choose to remember. Um, God should be able to show himself, and he has, and he will if you look for him, that he's up to the task. Whatever it is with you, whatever you face, it may not be a, a Jordan River that's over your head, but it may be something that seems like it's over your head. And he'll say, listen, I'm already there. I'm in the middle of the river waiting on you to cross. Will you step into the water a little bit? Will you step into the water when the ark moves? I've got this. I'm going to take care of this for you. God is up to the task. It, it, markers are signs of accomplishment, signs of completion. And, and we should have those in our faith. We should have those in our walk and our journey to say, listen, or if we don't, if we've been a Christian 10, 20, 30, 50 years, and we're still spiritually where we were when we got saved, there's a problem. We need some markers. We need some places to say, listen, God grew me there, and he grew me there, and he grew me there. And now I see the roots starting to deepen in my life and in my faith from the standpoint that I can weather bigger storms now than I could. I can, I can take some, some adversity now where once I couldn't. There are signs of completion and accomplishment. Markers are also an indicator for the future. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, To serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. In the future, he says, when your children ask you, not if they ask you, but when they ask you, and kids are like that, aren't they? If you've you had young kids or still have young kids in your home, they want to know why to everything. Why? Why, Daddy? Why is the water clear? Why, why, why can you see through the water? Why is the sky, why, why is the sky blue? Why, is the, why? Why, Daddy? I mean, a two-year-old, a one-year-old, an 18-month-old, why? Come over here a minute. Why? Sit down right there. Why? They want to know why to everything, right? And, and, and there is that... There should be that nature in each of us to figure out, here's why God does what he does. Here's why he shows up when he shows up. Here's why these circumstances and situations in my life and in every person's life should be handed to him because he can manage the task better than me. And so when the questions come, what happened here? What do these stones mean? Oh, these stones are a reflection of God showing up and doing something incredible in our nation and in my life. Let me tell you about it. And as those stories were told generation after generation after generation, I'm confident those stones are still standing today near the, the old ancient city of Gilgal where, they, where the Israelites crossed the Jordan to say, here's where God did something miraculous, incredible in our nation. 
and in our hearts. And we want to tell you this story and tell it to your kids too because the promise that he did it then, we'll be sure that he'll do it again. He, 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 is, he is a God of the future and, and, and markers are an indicator for the future. Um, kids will never be as pliable or as hungry when they are, as they are when they're young. And so a young green Christian as well, some, someone young in the faith should be hungry to look for markers. If you have those kind of people in your life or in your home, be sure to tell them, listen, that was a milestone. Never forget that. That was a milestone because they'll forget it and the enemy will say, ah, nothing. God didn't do anything there. Forget that. That was insignificant. That was just heartburn. No, God showed up and he did something in that moment and in your life. Don't ever forget that. Teach them how to remember those things and and to set up markers in their mind and lock that away in the database to say, God did it then, he can do it again. He stepped up there, he can step up again when it looks like the odds are insurmountable. Um, And why are these these things so important for future generations, for those on the path behind us, either spiritually or chronologically? Because they're going to be tested too. They're going to walk up to the water's edge too and see a a river that's over their head too. They're going to walk into situations that they, I can't make it. I can't see a way out. I can't see a way through. You know what they need to hear? God's done it. Here are the markers. You see these 12 stones stacked on top of each other? He did it then. He can do it again. They're going to be tested too. And how well we prepare them for the test, how well we we take them up to to the, the river's edge and say, listen, until you step in, you're never going to see God show up. We can step up, stay over here in safety on the shore and camp out here and love it and, and, and sing Kumbaya. But we want to start to see God do something in us incredibly and supernaturally. We have to step into the water. He's done that. You see, that's what these 12 stones mean is that an entire nation moved across on a dry riverbed. That's what God did. He can do it again. They need to hear those stories because they are going to be tested as well. And it's, it's the old if-then story. If God did it then, then he can do it again. And he did, and he does, and he still does over and over and over in your life. And sometimes we see it, sometimes we acknowledge it, sometimes we don't. But he is up to those kinds of things in his compass. Now, thirdly, markers are not simply for accomplishment or completion and an indicator for the future, but they're a reminder of what matters. Look at verse 7 again with him. Tell them the flow of the Jordan was cut off, watch this, before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be memorial to the people of Israel forever. When it crossed the Jordan, he says in verse 7. Not when they crossed the Jordan. So what's he speaking of? When the ark crossed the Jordan. When the symbolism of the word of God, when the literal word of God crossed the Jordan, then the waters parted. When those skies carrying the ark stepped foot into the water, we saw that last week, stepped right up to the edge and stepped into the shallow edge. When they stepped into the shallow edge, those waters parted. As far back as the next city, the scripture says, and as far down as the Dead Sea, walking across on dry ground in that, that entire section. So as we saw that last week, those, those kinds of reminders need to be told to, of us that the provision there is the word of God. It's the word of God that parted the waters. It wasn't the obedience of the children of Israel. It was the obedience of those carrying the, the ark that says, listen, the word is the one that's going to stop the river. We step into the river with the word, and the river bows down to the word. The river bows down to the ark. And so... The, the significance there in that story is that's the thing that matters. Not the story of God delivered us, but the story of his word's going to stand. And his word will push back the waters. His word, nature subjugates itself to the, the word of God, and we should too. This earth does. And because this earth does, the men and women walking this earth need to as well. He's saying the story here is the power of the significance of the word of God crossing the river and standing in the middle of the river until everybody crossed. And when they got out, 
everybody cross. The 12 go in and grab these stones. They're just standing still in the middle of the river on dry ground. Go in and grab these stones. The 12 carry the stones out, build this monument. And those holding the ark, don't leave the center of that river until all that's done. The significance of, of the provision of God is the word of God. It always has been. It always will be. It is the thing that matters. Now, the hand of God, as we see in this story, this is true all throughout Scripture and all throughout your life and my life, the hand of God works in concert with the Word of God. They always go together. And it's the, if you're wondering whether it's the hand of God, does it mesh with the Word of God? If those circumstances mesh with the Word of God, then it's the hand of God. Because they always work in concert with each other. They always stay together. They never abandon each other. The hand of God is always in concert, always in alignment, always, always in truth with the Word of God. They always work together. So that ought to be the standard, the check mark, to say, is this a marker? Is this God, or is this indigestion, or is this something else? Is, does it line up with the Scripture? Does it look like the Word of God? Then it's God, because He never abandons His Word. He always stays true to it. It is the thing that matters. It's, it's the, it's the, uh, there, there are situations in our life where we would otherwise see something as failure, but because we can see the hand of God and the Word of God, then it becomes a story. It becomes a marker. It becomes significant. Any of you, by show of hands, can tell that story to say, listen, <clears throat> what I thought was something was just a happenstance, was just fate, was just an occurrence. Enough mileage back, enough distance from it now helps me see that was God. And it's what I saw as failure initially. What I thought was failure initially was God teaching me something about his significance, about his provision, about himself, about his nature, about what he's up to, about the next thing. And I saw it as simply failure. And I look back on it and think, man, nothing could ever come out of that. God says, yes, it can. I can take failure. I can take success. I can take, I can take any circumstance in your life and teach you a lesson from it. Now, what is the difference between failure and a lesson? Where does failure stop being failure and start to become a lesson when the word of God is applied? When we can see the scripture in light of our failure and say that, man, God was all over that. God was in that. He was on that. He used that to, for my own good, for me to see, for me to stand here maybe weeks, months, decades later to say he was all over that. I couldn't see it in the moment because I didn't have enough maturity to see it. But with enough mileage in my faith and enough, enough root system to, to see what God is doing now, now that's a lesson. And the lesson, as I said, the difference between the failure and the lesson is the word of the insertion in the middle somewhere or along our maturity is the word of God to say, because God showed up, because this was true, that's now a lesson when it was simply failure. That's how the enemy works because he wants, he, he understands, he, he, he gets, he, he, in fact, he is subject to the power of the scripture. Beat him back, the power of the word of God. You want to beat back the enemy, you beat him back with scripture. You don't beat him back with logic. You don't beat him back with your own goodness. You don't beat him back even with stories about someone else's success. You don't beat him back with church. You beat the enemy back with scripture and he, because otherwise he would have you see that for the rest of your life, failure. And God says, no, it's a lesson. No, it's failure. No, it's a lesson. No, failure. And the difference between the two is the word of God says, yes, it's a lesson. I'm inserting myself in the middle of this, <clears throat> of this story in your life and in your circumstances to take what was failure and turn it into a lesson. That's the power of the scripture. And so the difference between those two things is the ark. It's the word. It's, it's, the, it's the presence of the truth. Fourthly, signs of completion, accomplishment, indicators of the future, reminder of what matters. Markers are fourthly meant for his glory and not ours. Meant for the glory of God, not ours. That's why I read verse 21. He says in there, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so you might always fear the Lord your God. 
so that all the peoples of the earth might know, might know what? Might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. It is God who did this. It is God who set him, put, inserted himself into this situation. Why? Because we haven't marked the progress the way we need to mark the progress. We haven't seen the markers that God has done in our life to say, listen, here's a lesson. There's a lesson. Here's a report card. Here's a B. Here's a C. Here's an A. Here's a lesson. Here's God saying, listen, you are not what you used to be. You're not what you used to be. The enemy's saying, you're worse than what you used to be. God said, no, 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 no. You're not what you used to be by the grace of God and by the lessons in your life that I've taught you, the things that I've allowed you to be a part of, and that you stepped into either willingly or reluctantly to say, I don't know, I don't know where this is going, but here's an opportunity. And I step into it that God builds my faith, builds my faith, builds my faith, one, as, as, as Butch Jones says, brick by brick. He's, he's shaping me and molding me and, and, and taking me to a place where I couldn't see it at the beginning. I couldn't understand what he was up to at the beginning. As I see this progress, I see the lessons marked. I see God start to do some things step by step by step. Now, all of us who know Christ have a marker of salvation. So if if you're struggling to think of markers spiritually in your life and in your world this morning, you have one if you know Jesus. You have a marker, at least one. But my question I know is, is that the only one? Is that the only spiritual place that you've come to to say, listen, I know God did something significant in me there and then. But what about here and now? What about in my life today? What about where I'm walking today? What about who I'm relating to today? What about the encounters I have with people? Is God in those things too? Is he in those decisions? Is he in those encounters? Is he in, is he in the birth of a child? Is he in the birth of a grandchild? Is he in the purchase of a home? Is he in, is he in the middle of a job change? Is, he, is God in the middle of divorce? Is he, in, is he in the middle of cancer? Is he in the middle, could God be in the middle of those otherwise seemingly unspiritual circumstances? And the answer to that is yes. He's in the middle of all of it. If we know him. Now, apart from him, he's not. Knowing him, he's not. But if we know him and have a relationship with him, everything is teachable. Everything is usable. Everything from him, he says, I want to make it to where you understand and see me in it. Your faith grows as a part of it. It it is for his glory that all this took place. It wasn't for the nation of Israel to say, we're worthy of God's mercy. We're worthy of God's provision. Worthy of God's power. No, in fact, I would dare say they were, and we'll see this as, as this story unfolds in Joshua, they were humbled by what God was doing for them. And they were blown away because they knew they deserved death in some of these circumstances, city after city, defense after defense. We'll see some of these unfold and Joshua's leadership through this. But it's not because they deserve God showing up. Who of us this morning deserves God showing up in our life to teach us anything about anything? None of us. So it is for his glory that we experience markers. It is for his glory that we can say, man, I'm not what I need to be, but I'm not what I used to be either. I'm not where God's taking me, but I'm not where I started. And as we see those things unfold in our life, and we can look back on years and in some cases maybe decades of of, of enough mileage with him to say, I've moved, but I had not moved very far. My roots are a little deeper, but not as deep as I used to be or need to be. Why is that? The reason I'm not seeing the markers as lessons, and I'm not growing in the middle of them. I'm trying to avoid conflict. I'm trying to avoid a test. I'm trying to stay away from or steer, steer clear from anything that's controversial, that's hard, that's difficult, that's, that's gritty, that's, that's dirty. Because I don't, I don't know that I want to learn that lesson. And God says, listen, you've got to step into the river to go back the lesson. You've got to see me in the middle of the river to get the lesson. And then I'll have you go back and grab a rock and carry it from the middle over to the side and slap it down on the ground and say, listen, there's the lesson. God says, it wasn't you, it was me. 
It wasn't because you're so worthy. It's because of my power and my hand to say, my word is pushing the waters back so you can cross on dry ground. Your next obstacle will be defeated too. And the one after that too. And the one after that too. You know why? Because I defeated the river. I defeated the first obstacle. And the second is nothing. And the third is nothing. And the fourth is nothing. Why? Because everything's a lesson. Everything should be a lesson for us and should deepen our root system, deepen our faith. The question for us sitting here this morning is in 2017, has it and does it? Or do we allow the enemy to say, that was nothing. That was, in fact, that was still failure. Anyway, you slice it, still failure. There's nothing to clean from that. Forget that and let that go. God says, no, 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 no. I want to use that too. Even the junk, the crap that you think, I can never use it. He can use it all and does. And, and, and will show us over and over again what that looks like. We can never get that on the shore. Never. We've got to get the water to get it. And not just at the edge, not just with our toes in, but out in the middle, out where it's over our head to see God do something that's taking us from a situation that's well over our head into something that he, he brings glory to himself out of. How can that be done? Only God. Those are only God situations, only God moments. And those kind of things need to be marked and remembered in your life. Whether you use the, bank, the blank, you, know, you don't wonder why the blank pages are in your Bible in the front and the back. For you to write that junk down. Hey man, here's what God did in this. There ought to be margins in your Bible that's written down to say, here's what God did here. And here's the lesson I learned from applying this verse to that situation. And I saw God use this for that and that for this. Those are markers. And as you thumb through the scripture, you just, it's just like looking at a picture of a wall in your house. There's a marker. That's, what, that's where God showed up and taught me something about himself that I would have never seen otherwise. Would have never gotten on my own. But I had to be willing to get off the shore and step into a hard place. Step into a difficult thing. Step into something that was beyond me. Beyond my ability to pull off. A couple of observations as we close. The first is this. If we're having trouble seeing the markers... We have a couple of options. Option number one is I ask an insider for, for help, for perspective. Now, what I mean by insider is somebody who knows you well, somebody who's seen your life and seen your, marked your spiritual growth with you, maybe a family member, maybe a close friend, uh, you know, a best friend kind of person that you've walked, you, you guys have sojourned together spiritually. Ask that insider, I'm not seeing any markers. Tell me what you see. Have you seen God show up in my life and do things in my life that the enemy has now clouded me from being able to see? I need to see those again because I need to grow and I need to see God at work and alive and active in me again. So I need to regurgitate those those markers, spiritually speaking, in my life. So let me pull those back out. Can you see the things I can't see? Can you you help me mark the things again that I've already forgotten? That's that's the first indicator. The second is this, and this is a little harder. If, if you're not asking an insider for help and for, for perspective, ask God for a test. Ask him to test your faith. Now, that's a little dangerous. I'm just going to tell you right up front that it's, it's a dangerous thing to do. But here's the significance of that. If I know that he knows what's best for me and wants what's best for me, what threat is the test? If he knows what's best for me and wants what best, what's best, best for me, why am I afraid of the test? The test will solidify his best for me. It will anchor down his best for me, his, his good in my, in my life and on my behalf. So whether I ask an insider for help or whether I ask him for a test, and the test says, here's another marker, here's another marker, here's another marker. Here's a place where God has shown up and he's done some things, and I'm not where I need to be, but I'm not where I used to be either. Here's the last observation. It's this. The generations behind us, behind you and I, desperately need to see and hear those things in your life. They need those stones at Gilgal. They need to see them. 
They need to see the other side of the river in your life. They need to see the victorious side of what God has done in your life. And they need to hear those stories. Just as great-grandmother's picture that's in your little album at home or in a, in a drawer someplace, you can't bring yourself to throw it away. There's a story behind that. And they need to hear the stories behind that. As he said in verse 6 here, listen, when they ask, when these children ask what happened here, you need, you need to tell them the story. Here's what these stones mean. And those kinds of things need to occur over and over and over in your life because generations behind you are depending on it. Generations behind each of us are depending on the power and the significance of what God can do. Otherwise, he's empty and void of anything significant to them. And he just becomes a ticket to heaven. And he is far more than that. You know that. I know that. They need to hear that. You know why? Because it's going to be harder for them than you. <laughs> I wish I could tell you the story that your, your kids are going to have, 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 have a more easy spiritual journey than you and I did. But it's going to be harder. You know why? Our world is getting darker. Not more light. It's getting less seasoned, not salty. Our world is, our world is growing away, willingly, walking away from spiritual things. It's going to be more difficult than them, not easier. That's why they need to hear the stories. They need to see the market. Here's what God's done. Here's what he can do in you. Here's what he's done in me. And whether that story is theirs by, by association to say, man, he did this in my mom and my dad or my grandma my grandma, he can do that in me too. They'll start to have their own stories. They'll start to build their own faith. They'll start to find their own markers in their own way to say, that was God. Man, I, th- I thought it was failure, but it was a lesson. It was God. And I, can't see, I couldn't see it then, but I do now. And I can now because of the markers that they've shared with me along the way, the things they've helped me see that I would have never have otherwise seen before. Are markers there? They are. But we've got to look for them because the enemy says, there are none. Forget those things. That's failure. There's nothing, nothing to see here, friends. Move along. That's what the enemy says to us over and over again. And God says, there's everything to see here. Don't forget these significant things. They grow your faith. They deepen your system of of faith and trust in me. Tell them to the next generation. They need to see them. They need to hear about them. They need to grow from them. They need to develop their own. And they will if we teach them habitually how to do that. Here's what this picture means. That's when your your dad and I got married. You're going to get married one of these days too, and you'll have a picture hanging on the wall. Those kinds of stories need to be transferred spiritually. Here's what God's done in us. Here's what he's doing in me now. Here's what he's up to now. He'll do that in you. You've got to walk, be willing to walk to a hard place sometimes to see it, but you'll see it on the other side of that hard place. Great lesson and a great marker to be marked in your life. Man, they need it because it's going to be harder, not easier for them.